0: Well, hello, and welcome to new mommy at 40 podcast, where we hold space for those entering or currently in parenthood at an seasoned stage of life, their 40s. I'm your host, Victoria, whether you're new here or visiting us again, thank you for stopping by. Come on in, put up your feet, and enjoy being in the company of someone who gets you and the amazing and exhausting journey you've taken on. While you wait for our guest today, click on that subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a future episode. Right now! Oh, and follow us at New Mommy at 40 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. All right, here we go. It didn't happen in my 20s. Who cares? Now I've got all this fancy wisdom to share. Hey, I've got this baby, you're getting the best of me. Cause I'm a new mommy at 40. Not on the wall. (laughs) Great. Today our guest is Sarah Farrow, my college friend who is a talented and accomplished singer, a valued executive administrator of a great company, a loving, supportive mama of twins, ages 11, and a four-year-old who just so happens to be a proud lesbian. She'll walk us through her experience of becoming a mom over 10 years ago and doing it all over again in her 40s. We'll talk about her desire to be a mom, going through the patriarchal and ignorant aspects of the medical industry to become a mom, and how she's navigating motherhood now while co-parenting and newly single. Make sure you listen to it all because you don't want to miss a fun and new segment that I'm introducing with this episode the Gen X test to see if Sarah gets to keep her Gen X culture card. But before we get into it, please hit that follow or subscribe button to make sure you don't miss a future episode of this podcast. Okay, let's go ahead and welcome Sarah to our chat. Hey, Sarah. Hi. I'm so happy that you agreed to do this with me. You know, I've thought of you early on when I was coming up with this podcast and I just, I was too shy to ask outright and then I put something on oh. it's true I put it on Facebook and he responded I was like, "Oh, okay, great." <laughs> <laughs> um, it's me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah and I uh as I, I said in the intro, we we go back a long time. It's almost like a over a 20-year re- <laughs> friendship now. Mm-hmm. Sorry, did you did you not want me to mention <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know I'm is it 20 or more? I don't know. It might be I more. No, that. I said over 20 because we went yeah, yeah, to college yeah. together. Mm-hmm. We were babies when we met. Mm-hmm. And now we're both moms, and it's just so mm-hmm. awesome to see you and your family grow. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so uh it was really important for me to get uh the the perspective of a family of a same sex couple because you know I think Sometimes, and especially in our age range, too. Let me add that because we already know for most of us, if you're hetero and you're trying to have a kid, how and you have infertility issues, right? Uh, Or single and trying to do this on your own, that's hard. And that's that's hard. But then also, when you add the component of same sex coupling and Going through that process of having a child, then legally proving that that child is yours. I mean, there are just so many layers on on in the situation that uh, it was very important for me to get the perspective of someone who's gone through it. And for you, Mm -hmm. you have three kids. So when you had, and how old are the twins? They're eleven today. Yay! Oh yes. Quite appropriate. So you you have a very interesting story in going through this years ago mm-hmm. for the, for, for, your set of twins mm-hmm. and going through this recently. So tell us yeah. what was the process like for you with the twins? And at the time you were in a, a relationship, so you right. and your, mm-hmm. your partner went through mm-hmm. this together. So what was that like?
1: Yeah. Um, so my partner at the time we were married, so we did it the old fashioned way. Love, marriage, mm-hmm. big marriage. Um, <laughs> so we were married in 09 and then we pretty much just hit the ground running and started um, the fertility process right away. And the twins were born in 2011. So that gives you the span. So oh9 to 2011 was, wow. was the time it took us um, to, to have them. And we um, pretty much, you know, two women, two... Um, you know, uteruses to to cap, you know, two seemingly capable bodies to carry a baby or make a baby. Um, and we knew that we'd have to find a donor. And, you know, so we kind of, you know, brainstormed on all that sort of issue. Would we use somebody we knew or, a, a, you know, a bank and that sort of stuff? Um, but one of the things that we did discuss was, you know, Uh, would we take turns? How important was it to have a baby that was genetically ours? And did we each want to have a genetic child? And how many kids would we end up having? So these are all those things that you kind of talk about right away. Um, But one thing we just did know for a fact was that we wanted a family. I mean, there was just no question. Um, And that's really what brought us together in the first place. And so my partner was um, eight years older than me. So I was 29 when we met she was 38 so no question at all that I had plenty of time uh, To work with so I was very gung-ho to support her to have this child. Um, She had some medical issues and um, Just it just seemed like it was a no-brainer that if we had an opportunity for me to carry um, I would but the genetic part was that she'd love to try to have children genetically hers. So um, where there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went to um, Columbia in uh, New York City and did our research. And That's Columbia I mean-
0: University, right? Or-
1: Columbia University, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Columbia Women's Reproductive Center. Okay. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like in 09, you know, from a fertility standpoint, it was reasonably advanced, not necessarily with same sex um, couples. So I. think I will say that having said that we were actually and this seems like counterintuitive we were able to use that to our advantage we got in based on the unknown factor Hmm. so it was sort of like being guinea pigs Mm -hmm. so we came in with this idea of hey what if we do this so we came in with this idea and I'm and not to say that we're the first people that did it is you know partner 38 going on 39 obviously there's, um, something that they call the egg donor program where you have a surrogate. Sometimes, um, heterosexual couples do this where they use someone else's eggs, um, for a heterosexual couple, if the, if the female's eggs aren't viable. Um, so we basically replicated that. Um, and so just, but just so it... some understanding
0: at the time that, that was, was that like, uh, a... A, a beautiful new idea like that wasn't something that was necessarily offered to you at the time.
1: No, it was kind of just sort of like a meeting of the minds between like our care coordinator um through my partner, just this idea of how do we sort of fuse our you, you know it's sort of like this idea of two women together making a family and mm-hmm. how do we be how do two women share? the experience Mm -hmm. and it's sort of maybe it's a little foo-foo sounding where there was research i think in germany about like taking the mitochondria of an egg putting it with another egg and making it um fertilizing it with sperm so therefore the eggs were were fertilized together so two women could actually make a baby Hmm. so we were very interested in those types of um you know advances so we were thinking along those lines, like how can two women actually create life together? Mm-hmm. So I think in that that thought process, we were excited at the idea that I could possibly carry her eggs in my body, would be two women making a, as close to making a baby together as possible and right. sharing that experience. Um, so that was exciting to us, and so it it just was an so it was in line from like. Um, like a it was it was and it lined up with like an insurance, you know, where like you call it the egg donor pro put us in the egg donor program where I was carrying eggs for her. Um, we were able to go through IVF and it was um and then it just miraculously was covered in that way because then she wow. qualified for medical reasons. I had to carry her eggs and it just it was just miracle of miracles.
0: Now were you able to state to these medical professionals that you were a couple in order for that to happen? Or did you have to basically work the system and make it seem as if she was basically, or you were basically having this baby on your own with an egg with donor?
1: Yeah, so, so, so there were ways, um, you know, things such as, um, like I said, they had to put in the fact that she, you know, medically couldn't carry. So I was caring for her. So whether they put us in as a couple or not,
0: didn't matter. Probably not. Right.
1: Um, And just jumping ahead, the child I have who's four, I left a doctor's office because he caters only to same sex families. And because he caters only to same sex families, I was denied everything.
0: Interesting. because Because you were having this child basically on your own at that time.
1: Because exactly, because there's no way to prove infertility when you're either single or in a same-sex relationship. So that's what I so by sort of skirting
0: mm-hmm.
1: the same-sex topic, mm-hmm. you are more likely to be covered and there is something very wrong with that.
0: Absolutely. And so
1: yeah. And and so um here we are making advances as far as being accustomed to same-sex support and walking into an office and saying, hey, we're a same-sex couple. We would like to be, you know, acknowledged. Of course they're going to acknowledge it because it's more commonplace. But that doesn't mean then you're going to get the financial support or are you going to be covered? Um, And so that I'm not necessarily involved in that now because I'm done having children. Mm -hmm. But if I were to continue in this, I would definitely look for ways to reform that um, because... The more common it is and the more insurance knows that same-sex families are having children, I, I fear that families are are having to pay more out of pocket. Yeah. Um, it was it was different in the past, the less they knew about it.
0: Right. Um So, it's a, so that's
1: what we found.
0: It's very interesting that you went from basically uh not disclosing too much at the time to now full mm-hmm. disclosure and you still have Mm-hmm. these these issues that come up depending on what oh, you yeah. do that's interesting yeah
1: yeah so we um so we basically yeah we were able to do an ivf um but but what also made the process cool for us is that a woman who's doing ivf um and i know you've you know spoken of it too is mm-hmm. is it's it's not an easy process from mm-hmm. from the suppressing to then the you know enhancing mm-hmm. well for her and i we split it So we did suppressing on my end and enhancing on her end because I carried and she donated essentially. Mm -hmm. So so that was pretty awesome. I mean, it was obviously not easy and obviously fertility isn't easy and it was painful. And um, we did have one miscarriage along the way. And, um, but we ended up having the twins. We did, um, you know, so in 2011, they were born. And so, you know, we we definitely experienced, you know, one of the things was, you know, so she was 40 by the time they were born. So she was, um, no 41, 41 when they were born. So, you know, she was of that age and I, you know, it just was a great balance because I was younger, birthing them, bouncing back, taking care of them. She worked in the city Mm -hmm. and I stayed home and then, um, you know, changed jobs. So I was able to, we moved out to the suburbs. Um, once I had them and they've been raised ever since out uh, here in Connecticut.
0: So. so I have a question in terms of um you know, when both of you going basically through parts of the the treatment mm-hmm. um at the same time, that must have been really difficult <laughs> just yeah. hormonally. That's
1: like, a good point.
0: Yeah, I, I was a mess by myself. That's
1: a good point, yeah. How
0: was that? <laughs> was that difficult?
1: Yeah. I mean, my portion you know, I'd have to say that that was the toughest part for her. The, the the toughest process of of the the pregnancy part um, was was that for her. So as you know, so like um, suppressing it for me, I had the shots mm-hmm. and certain hormones to like hold on to the pregnancy mm-hmm. once I was implanted. Hers definitely required a lot more um that the hormones were a lot heavier mm-hmm. to then yeah. enhance uh stimulate
0: stimulate so the, right, the ovulation process so yeah.
1: and she was doing it i think in the middle of the summer the final time and she was a pr- uh, producer for um uh, she worked um in the city and she was doing stuff and I just remember stories of her being on set and just being like dripping and swollen and her legs were just puffed up because that's where she was doing the shots. And then she'd have to go off set and do the shots and things. And so and then obviously the belly getting really swollen when they had to take the eggs and stuff. Um, But it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, but then I had to carry the twins for, you know, almost (laughs) nine months, you know, so we would go back and forth like, it's you know. Um, But it's beautiful that
0: you were able to share. I mean, you truly did share that experience. That's That's, the point. Exactly. And
1: there was nothing more beautiful than that. Um, And like I said, uh, I said to you earlier, um, early on in those years, it was it was less common. There was a huge culture shock for us to move um, from the city because we moved to a town that we thought was, you know, affluent, but also a commuter town. So we didn't think twice about, like, any stigmatized, um, you know, reaction to having a same-sex couple or having children. And it was just more like, oh, cute babies. Who's the mom? You know, it wasn't, like, nasty. It was just, like, matter of fact, like, who's the mom? And we just would get so offended by that question because we just, you know. But we always um, would love to say we both are. Right. And you know obviously we both were but no we really both were like we just loved um you know giving that answer because we like legitimately both were and it what's called the gestational mother which was me tech you know scientifically gestational mother and then she's the biological
0: mother and then you um, shared that even with that shared experience you still basically had to adopt your partner had to adopt
1: that, yeah. and The that babies never... in order for
0: that to be a legal yes. situation. That's so bizarre. That will bizarre. never make sense
1: to us. That will wow. never make sense to us. Um, there's something about um, like, like the birth certificate. So what happens when you birth a child in the hospital, the birth certificate is issued. Mm-hmm. And that birth certificate goes to the woman who birthed that baby in the hospital. So I think a woman, if she's going to give her baby for adoption or anything... Same thing. And there's that that grace period before someone can adopt a child. So me being the 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 mother birthing the child, automatically that child is mine on that birth certificate. So no matter who gave me those eggs, um, those babies were mine by by nature. Mm-hmm. And so my partner had to adopt in court wow. legally. Yeah, and, how, and it wasn't something she could do that day. Right. So, God forbid something happened. Not to say that we were at any type of odds, but you know, pack up the car and drive cross country with the. You know, what I right. mean? like she's sitting there knowing that legally those aren't her babies until we went to court to actually get them. Um, you know, that's an emotional in, in process. And people. how
0: long? How long after mm-hmm. did that process start? And how long did it take? Do you remember?
1: Um, yeah, well, luckily, I mean, you know, you work with the right lawyers, they know that it's a ridiculous law that, that, that it just shouldn't exist. Um, and I'm really bad at it because it's not anything that we had to like follow up on once it was done, but I I don't know if the law has been changed. Um, and it could be a very state specific law. Um, but we, we did work with a great lawyer who was able to get it moved along pretty, fast but in if you're in New York City you're dealing with a much bigger court system Mm -hmm. and I think it goes very it's very formal luckily we were in a much smaller system Um, but they also the formality if you've ever adopted it requires home visits and it could be like you know they could just show up at your house anytime they want and, and that kind of thing when someone like us when we're actually a family and then we got married and we chose to do this and then to get a home visit where you're taking notes on us and that kind of thing seems kind of, um, kind of ridiculous, but
0: um, no, it is. Yeah. And, but, and, you know, yeah. it just, it's thank you for going through that again for us and, you know, our friends listening just to understand that, um, these kids are wanted, you know, yeah. and you went yeah. out through a lot to have them. And, um, right. I just think it's very good to highlight that. I wanted to ask yeah. you to did back then, cause you know i've having recently gone through the ivf um uh treatment myself mm-hmm. my particular fertility specialists do not they do not support necessarily multiple eggs being transferred so mm-hmm. for you at that time since the twins were you know was a while ago did you mm-hmm. put more was was more than one embryo uh mm-hmm. transferred
1: oh okay so i'm so glad you asked that so um, I, I do know because of the uh, four year old I have, it has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. So I was told that only recently has it been advised or
0: advised. Know, That's know. the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yes. It's yeah. Been advised. I don't know if
1: it's a legal thing, but single embryo transfers mm-hmm. only. They, I don't know if uh, optimum yep. ruined it for everybody or what happened. <laughs> it's but <our> like, fault. <laughs> Um But in 09 when we started the process, there there was there were no parameters. So what happened was, our first attempt. So we did two rounds of IVF. So the first round of IVF, we put in two, and we one took, and uh, we carried to like twelve weeks, and then we had a miscarriage, and. Then the second time we had, um, you know, we, we had the eggs and we fertilized and this time we waited, um, as long as we could till they were as yeah. they they used to do
0: day three and uh, then it became day five as to waiting to see how the the blastocysts are coming along. The blastocyst
1: stage. So this time they really wanted us. And this is a quick little story I'll tell. So this was the second time of IVF we had, um, then they were going to wait this time as long as possible. So they wanted the five or six day for us. And we were in our apartment in the city and the night before we were supposed to go in to do the transfer, they basically called and this was supposed to be the next day was probably going to be day six. And at day five, they literally said to us, it is not looking good, but we'll call you in the morning. Okay. So if you think the day before, you're supposed to do the implant and you're giving us a warning. It's not looking good. That's pretty much letting us know. Don't get your hopes up. Right. And we've been waiting. As you know, you get a call like every day to kind of say how it's going. And basically that night we were, we just, we just threw the towel in. Um, And we knew that when we got that call, we didn't expect to get good news in the morning. So that night we pretty much were just like i think we almost like broke up that night i mean it was just <laughs> like we just we can you imagine mm. um and and it's different with ivf too because of the hormones you're on and all that kind of stuff right so we like pig i remember we went like down the street to you know pigged out on like <laughs> ugh, we, we just were a mess and then we get a phone call in the morning at like you know seven in the morning from columbia and i pick up the phone and i'm like what Hello, you know, like waiting for that call. And they're like, Oh, hi. Um, this is Columbia calling. Um, uh we, we 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 have uh embryos to implant. I go, wait, what? Huh? I go, what are you talking about? Yeah, come in. You know, now I will wait, how, how many? He goes, um, and he like just a second. Uh three. We have three. Wait, what? Like three? <laughs> you said you you was it wasn't looking good. Right. So now you had three good embryos. So here we went from like You know, last time we put in two, one, only one took. And then it was a miscarriage to then. So, so, so you're like, you're wrestling with like probabilities and what to Mm -hmm. do. And you just thought maybe you didn't have any. So basically what happened was we get there and we're like, put them all in. Like, just, (laughs) just put them all in. And Dr. Sauer was his name. And he's this renowned, you know, um, fertility specialist is, is in you know, supporting that. So we literally put all three embryos in. Because we're like, worst case scenario, I mean, yeah, obviously we could have triplets, but come on, really? Like, I doubt it. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm okay with twins. If it happens, it happens. And so, yeah. So we put all three in, you know, and that's what we did. And we just risked it. And then I will say there are numbers that you get when you find out if you're pregnant or not. There are these certain levels. And then as that happened, I was getting very high numbers the hcg levels
0: I, probably yeah. yes
1: well, HTG, right yeah. yeah and it was so high and i'm like holy shit holy shit it's
0: don't triplets. be triplets
1: don't be triplets please don't be triplets and then finally then you start to get the cramping all this kind of stuff and i was coming home i was at work and i called her and i was like we got to go to the hospital it's either cramping from a mis- i was like all like it could be anything and then when they did the ultrasound Um, They basically, this is funny. This was, they start doing the ultrasound and she sees all three. And I, like, I about fell off the stretcher. But what's interesting is that only two had heartbeats. I say that as a testament to my, like, like miracle uterus, because that means that the embryo still attached.
0: Yeah. So it ended
1: up all attaching, just only two developed into the babies I have now. But the third ended up sticking anyway, and anyhow,
0: so yeah. so there I could have it. been some some chromosomal yeah. you know, abnormality or, just, yeah. or something. But, but that's a very but, positive um, way uh, way to look at it. Yeah, you like yeah. They yeah.
1: all stuck. But I have my four-year-old, yeah. so he's the he's the third that was okay. you know um, meant to be here. But um, but yeah, I totally get it now. I just think that um, you know, the money that goes into it, the just I you know, it's such a hard decision to make when you some companies who give you insurance and all, and you only get maybe sometimes IVF benefits. It's just once a year mm-hmm. you can do. Or and maybe so, once a
0: lifetime. I mean, once a lifetime. One so of my, I can
1: see. Yeah. Cause yeah. in my
0: situation, one of my, cause I'm, I'm, I'm insured uh, by myself or through myself and then I'm self-insured I should say. And then yeah. I'm under my husband's benefits and under my insurance, it's one time. Lifetime-wise,
1: oh gosh, yeah. And
0: with his, it's three times in a lifetime. So just how different, like, and I can just say the name of an insurance company that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you and I have the same plans, even if we exactly you it's know job and,
1: specific, it's yeah, everything. And for, and especially I can tell you, yeah. And I learned that the third, the the this last time around, mm-hmm. um, it's which,
0: ver- yeah, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. And then I found out too you know for me it was a uh, kind of like do it now or don't do it because i was i was uh, doing some research and i realized that there were some insurance companies thankfully not ours but some once you get to 44 they won't even cover you for your with your own eggs they only will cover if you use an egg donor wow the patriarchy of it all right wow. so okay. so that you know it's yeah insurance or egg
1: freezing egg too freezing. pay for egg freezing at a certain age yeah, yeah.
0: In the process of parenting, um, co-parenting along the years, even when you were to- together, yeah. what what were the biggest challenges that you faced as a same-sex couple when it came to your children and raising your children? Um,
1: definitely the roles, without a doubt, so much. Because, like, I didn't, you know, by by sort of... I guess you could say I've rose my hand like wholeheartedly to carry because I knew I always wanted that experience to carry. I never thought for a second that I wouldn't as a female, I'd Mm -hmm. be carrying children in my, in my belly. Mm -hmm. Um, whether or not I was with a man or a woman, it didn't make a difference to me. Um, did that put me in that position though to be sort of The female versus, you know, and then be with a woman who then played the male role and that sort of thing. I don't know. I think it just confused things a little um, to where I played that role. And that it allowed her to then further be in this, like, oh, I'm taking the train, I'm going into the city, um, I'm playing the role of the, you
0: know... The the provider.
1: The provider... Um, but I was never, uh, a stay at home mom. I was always, uh, working. Um, I, when we met, I had, a, I, I worked and I continued to work when I had the kid. So it was a matter of juggling that role that I took on as the person that carried the babies and breastfed and like took them to childcare and did all that because I changed jobs to work in Connecticut to be closer to them, but it didn't mean I didn't stay work. Right. Um, so there, but there was no other way. It was like, it wasn't that I wanted, it wasn't about like resentment of that. It was the only way that was what the options were.
0: Right. But, but it's guess, funny to you that society there in a same sex coupling, ironically, there were some societal norms that would that somehow got applied in your relationship yeah. that I'm sure you weren't expecting when you, <laughs> For that to just happen when it, you know.
1: Well, what was weird to me is that when we, before we had kids, we used to, we were very, um, we were very similar. Like, we we had similar jobs. Our jobs were very close to each other in the city. We'd take the train home together. We would um, cook together, watch the shows together. Like, we were on the same schedule and um, just more in sync. And then once, like, I stayed in Connecticut, and then she would go in. She'd come back, and then she'd plug in. Um, it just threw all it all off, and we stopped doing things in sync. And but understandably, because it, it's the, because right. of the kids and things, and it just felt more like roles and like more of a divide and conquer as opposed to like doing things as a team. Well, we were a team always.
0: No, like, I get what you're the, saying. Cause you know, it's just basically the circumstantial. Yeah. It was circumstantial how the roles ended up being assigned.
1: It was circumstantial, but it was so like heteronormative. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. And then, but it was heteronormative with a twist of like the female sensibility too. So then there were the perks of it.
0: Right, right. Like
1: she still like was a woman and we still connected on a like two women level and like like had the, there was still something very unique about our relationship that wasn't like your typical um you know so like you know so so there were still obviously the 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 aspects of two women that 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 is not the same as a man and woman, so I don't want to Say that yeah. Exactly or, the and, yeah
0: and, and not that every, you know, hetero coupling is that way, but again, it's just exactly, in the societal yeah. expectations and uh, stereotypes basically yeah. of, and so, and, mm-hmm. and in your coupling, it just means what you're saying is that there were two maternal individuals yeah. who all of a sudden found themselves due to circumstances in these heteronormative roles but mm-hmm. which I'm sure also felt a little odd for you because you you basically changed more so than she had to in terms of your your life, your life yeah. schedule and, and, you know, just normal happenings. Because now you were not a stay at home, but you were kind of like the mom, quote unquote, role. And you I'm sure there were sacrifices that that came with yeah. that
1: total sacrifices And I, you know, as you're saying that out loud, I'm also thinking that it not necessarily is of our doing, but it could also be people around us because it's how other people saw us. So if people saw me coming into work and then saying, okay, got to go pick up my kids, they're going to treat me a certain way. If people saw her going into work, coming in on the train, her saying, oh, Sarah's got the kid Mm -hmm. or oh, I'm going off on this trip because of work and Sarah's got the kids, she's going to be treated a different way mm-hmm. because that's what we've set up for our family and people know that, oh, so then she kind of falls into that role like right. the provider falls into. right. Sarah right. falls into the role as... So those are just the roles that we adapted to. The other thing that I'll say that I struggled with, but this is what we do because we think it's the best thing for our children, is this, like, suburban lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And for me, I greatly, like, loved, like, New York City. Like, I truly believe there was a way to make it work. But it. looking back, no, obviously. Like, right. Like, push would have come to shove But eventually. you weren't ready
0: to leave the city life. That was also part of your identity at that point, too.
1: Identity-wise, I wish there was a way, as a gay woman, to make the city work. I wish there was a way to merge the 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 diversity and and the f- the the flavor and the color and the and the culture everything that 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 I had in the city to live a comfortable authentic life but have the comforts of the suburbs yeah and so it's hard to find and believe me around 09 that's also what we were <laughs> looking for so you would look at like like, oh, oh Maplewood, New Jersey is the Brooklyn of New Jersey, you know, yeah. <laughs> or where can we go and afford where we can still maintain sort of that like hip, not hip, you know what I mean? But no, like, it's okay to say extra hip. Extra that was lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that um, lifestyle. And yeah. but it seemed like, you know, from the outside looking, in, it seemed like you eventually found your community, though, of other moms or other parents that were same sex. Yeah. couples
1: I think I kind think so of, right? I think it was just tricky in the beginning because I had my own hangups and my own like stereotypes of people that I met here mm. so I looked at them a certain way oh well they're driving a Range Rover they're not gonna like me or <laughs> you know and so I I judged them maybe right um and so I've learned over the years you find your people you yeah. find your people eventually and I think um you know the the tough part as well is, um, you know, w- you know, for the longest time, we would bring our city friends here. Mm-hmm. So it was all about trying to attract our city friends. A lot of times we were trying to actually recruit our city friends and be <laughs> like, move here. But then I learned, like, no, embrace, embrace the community that exists already here right. um, and have it work in our favor. So I've re- and it's actually funny is that um a lot of us obviously that you know with quarantine and covid i'd learned more to embrace connecticut than never before just because well everyone we else from the
0: city was moving too right yeah. everyone was leaving the city anyway it just did it so earlier kinda, it kind of grew
1: on me yeah. and um and uh and i'm and i'm and i'm pretty good with it i think um you know it's it's been a really i've i've we've we've started a whole like pride um like committee for the town and we started a first pride rally and the and the schools are doing some really amazing things with um with pride as well and um and it's been really exciting and and I'm just really proud to to have been raising my kids here and there's so many great families and community and um and and you know what and and again we're like an hour from the city and and the kids know the city
0: and um yeah you and we're mentioned there when we were getting ready for this, that you take them to the city every chance you oh, get, Oh, whether they like right? it or
1: not. I mean, it's like, they'll, <laughs> they'll complain sometimes. And they're like, the funniest thing is they have this idea that everybody smokes in the city. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. They're like, everyone smokes in the city. I was like,
0: I, was like I, I guess so. That's their like takeaway. That is hilarious that of all things <laughs> that, they, that they take from the city, is like, a lot of smokers <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're such anti-smokers, but that's, that's, that's actually a good thing. That's a good Um, thing. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you got home from delivering these two amazing little beings, Uh what was that like when you went home and you went from being a family of two to four?
1: Right. Well, we were a family of three because we had a a little Yorkie. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You already
0: were dog moms.
1: Right. We were dog moms. Um, but I was accused of sort of neglecting the dog once we got home with the, <laughs> with the twins, which was, was somewhat true. Um, it, it, it was just, you know, it's all relative, I suppose. But, um, the twins, yeah, that was, it was a rude awakening because obviously you're in the hospital and you have all the care in the world around the clock and then you're home and it's like, bam, here, they're yours. Uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. The one thing, um you know, is obviously you want to do everything that your mom did or that you think you're supposed to do, which is, which is breastfeeding. So for me anyway, Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, of course I'm going to breastfeed and I'm going to do it at the same time and they're going to be fed. So that was probably aside from like trying to get them to sleep through the night and try to feel like, you know, we had, you know, normal, Um, sense of, you know, sleeping around the clock, which that doesn't happen with anybody, um, was, was, was the, was the breastfeeding. So they did the best they could with us at the hospital. They gave us a pump and, you know, it takes a few days to kind of like have the letdown and all that of the milk. But what happened was we struggled. That was probably the, the most stressful part of having twins because you have two babies to feed. And uh, not just one. And that's their nutrition. That's their life that feeds them. Mm -hmm. And I guess I had this impression that I would, that's how they eat. And we're going to save all this money on formula. And it's (laughs) going to be amazing. I mean, here we were thinking cloth diapers. I mean, you think all this this stuff, you know, when it's your first time. But um, that it didn't go that way. So I learned a lot about how we produce milk as women. And, you know... Size does not matter, ladies. um, (laughs) When it comes to making milk, Um, I am a size, I guess D in my in breast, but I do not produce what you would think. Um, I guess it has to do with your your number of milk ducks that Mm -hmm. you have in um, in inside, and we are born with what we have. And so, when I was producing milk, I just was not producing enough milk to feed two newborn babies. And so I felt very shortchanged. I felt horrible as a mother that I couldn't feed my babies. And I felt really um, deficient, literally and figuratively. So we went to a new parents kind of group at the pediatricians. And we got some really great advice from a lactation specialist uh, who said it's quality over quantity with breast milk. And so basically think of breast milk as, as like vitamins. Think of Mm -hmm. it as a a nutritional boost. So what it has in it is the nutrients to fill them. It's not so much like filler to make them feel full, but it's basically, it's got the goods, right? So don't feel ashamed. So basically take, pick out a formula, you know, that, that, that you like and supplement it with the breast milk. So that's what we did. And so basically I would take, Uh, Because what was happening is I would put them on the breast and they basically would just, you know, like a pacifier, basically just sit there all night (laughs) and then they would (laughs) cry and be hungry. And so it was like, well, that wasn't fun for me. Um, And so basically what we did was that I would just get the pump and I would pump and whatever I could get out and then I would add it to the formula as like a boost, basically. And and then they would drink it and that would be their meal. So it it was a relief knowing that they were getting the nutrients of the breast milk and getting full at the same time so we found our formula that we liked we picked this one called babies only that we loved and um and we that's how they they fed and so um i just but i lived on the pump that was the thing so it took away from sort of the bonding that i you would hope you would get from the the breastfeeding but i I could still do it like on a moment's notice i could still do the breastfeeding when i needed but um so that was that was the thing. That was the tricky part about having twins, I'd say. We actually ended up with really good sleepers. I don't want to brag, but we um <laughs> we had amazing sleepers. We we joked that on Mother's Day, so the kids were born March 31st. So Mother's Day, March, I guess, you know, 10th or 12th. Um, we we actually this is how we tag teamed it. So we basically decided that we would just take turns with sleep. So as twin moms, we would um, as opposed to both of us being under, you know, like like sleep deprived. Yeah, and being we would zombies. Just take the night on, night off. Yeah. So, um, in the room, we, you know, one one person would take them, but what happened was we were supposed to have them fed every, I guess, four hours. They would say, and what was happening was they were sleeping through their feedings, and neither one of us were telling each other, <laughs> um, because we were like, I didn't wake them up. Well, I didn't wake them up because. We thought okay we're starving our kids but truth be told if they're sleeping then they're sleeping right they're they're not hungry to wake up and then then um mother's day i think was a day that we realized they slept through the whole night and they were only with three months so we couldn't believe it so we had we had like champion sleepers and to this day at 11 um it's still a problem there's there's still champion sleepers Ah, they yeah honey okay yeah let me let me just grab a water no problem So speaking of champion sleepers, they sleep in, and then I get up and do stuff, and then they're like, "Okay,
0: now feed me." Do all these things for me.
1: Um, what's,
0: what's your favorite thing about the twins? They—they're definitely silly.
1: They—they're not—they're not serious. They definitely don't take life too seriously, and I love that about them. Um, they have—they um, see the world definitely as it is. Realistic, you know, they definitely, um, you know, they, they there's like a maturity to them, but they also know how to be kids. That's um, you know, and I think also with them, they have like, like you can put them in a room with like grown ups and they'll fit right in and be like right, they'll like at any, you know, and they'll be in a room with like little, little kids and they'll and they'll be able to just like play and be on the floor and do all that i think Hmm. they're just they they just like fit in in any scenario you know they're just they're just really comfortable um you know with who they are and in any scenario so um you know so they're just the kind of kids you can take anywhere
0: that's awesome um, they sound very balanced
1: yeah yeah i don't i don't know why but they
0: (laughs) well they have two great parents
1: right yeah i'm I'm happy for that i've never had to like force them to do anything they're definitely definitely great 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 kids so
0: well you know it's important you know to have this conversation because it sounds like a normal household right and there's so much going on in the world right now especially in states like florida that um are really trying to silence the you know the the normalcy of just families and and respect all kinds of families. So it's, uh, it's nice to hear sounds like a regular family to me, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, they were uh, just talking about that yesterday too. And just, you know, it's a weird time wrap, wrap my head around it. We had, um, it's funny. You mention it because even here we were planning, um, our own, you know, our first pride day to not this year, but last year. And even, you know, even we struggle with it here, you know, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's made the news in Florida because it's a legislative conversation, but you know, but even just in, in, in other towns, people wrestle with what to do.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: um, I get it. I mean, you know, everyone has different values in their homes, but, um, you know, and people want to be sensitive and even us, we do, you know, as, as an LGBT family, we want to be sensitive to other families and, um, and, uh, but we're not looking to write anything into legislation to tell other people either. Um, but we had a, an instance where we were, we were told, you know, that, that people weren't comfortable using LGBT in, in a day of celebration in, in the elementary school level. And so we had to call it something more quote unquote, family friendly called UBU day. And Mm. my, which I actually am okay with. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, it's, it was a more, it was all inclusive. It it sounds like an inclusive
0: title. It's, it's, it was a
1: very inclusive title and it didn't need to be specific for elementary students. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a problem with that at all. It wasn't, it didn't say don't say gay it just was let's just all celebrate all of our differences well that's the um, thing what...
0: it's like it, if the conversation is had and if there's an actual willingness to see mm-hmm. uh the side of a family that's lgbtq yeah um, we, then you can co- if you have a conversation then you can come up with things like this where it can still be inclusive of everything which is one of your passions and diversity and uh and mm-hmm. um equality and inclusion is yep. that it, mm-hmm. it's about a conversation you have to be open to to actually come mm-hmm. up with something as a community that will fit mm-hmm. everyone's needs um yeah. i but...
1: just read yesterday that a a, te- a a gay teacher is 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 you know resigning because she's uncomfortable to teach in in the school district because does that mean you know the if she speaks of herself or something come, you know, I mean, she's, it,
0: it's, yeah. Where it wasn't worth okay. losing her career over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, to change the tone just a little bit, because I <laughs> want to get into, cause just to establish this clearly, when you had the twins, you were in your early thirties, your partner mm-hmm. at the time, your wife at the time was in her about to turn 40.
1: So she was already, so she by was, the time we had the twins, she was 41. She was
0: 41. And then mm-hmm. years later now mm-hmm. you start hearing the tick, tick, tick of the yeah. clock. So, but before we go that I'm trying a new segment out mm-hmm. on my guests and I'm, you're going to be the first one. Okay. Okay. And this is just to establish our generation X membership. So are you ready to to play?
1: Okay. Sure.
0: Okay. Easy questions. Debbie Gibson or Tiffany?
1: Oh, Debbie Gibson.
0: New Kids or New Edition?
1: New Kids, New Kids.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Mad TV or In Living Color?
1: Oh, In Living Color.
0: Boom. Molly Ringwald or Winona Ryder?
1: Winona or Winona. Winona, yeah. Is it Winona? Winona. I don't know. We're not friends.
0: (laughs) She'll be all right. Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder or Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet?
1: Oh, probably Johnny and
0: Winona. Yeah. See, it's got to be Lenny for me. I just always yeah, wanted to know. be a fly in the wall with those two. I, know. I, um, know, I know. Ferris Bueller or Breakfast Club?
1: Oh, Ferris Bueller.
0: Yeah, me too. Okay. And that mm. last question, it's a tricky one. To make a Polaroid pick develop, do you shake it or blow on it? Shake it. Boom. Definitely, like a
1: Polo boy picture. De- yeah. <laughs>
0: That's a good one. De- definitely Gen X. Definitely. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> so so Great now, questions. thank you. Uh-huh. So now we can get into <laughs> mm-hmm. your 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 clock ticking. At okay. When did you find yourself thinking, "Oh my goodness, I now have an opportunity to be a mom with my own eggs." Mm -hmm. and the time how what when did that come to your to your heart and your mind of Mm -hmm. oh i think we have one more that we'd Mm -hmm. like to meet one more child and yeah
1: well i guess um i mean lucky enough i was young enough when i had the twins that it wasn't anything there was no hurry to Mm -hmm. to think like that um you know i pretty much had the bulk of my thirties to be a mom, to the twins and enjoy, and not, not even, even think, um, a rush. And I guess maybe the fact that my partner was older and we had the twins and, 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 you know, fertility, you know, was what it was. We had so many friends that were older, um, having children and the reassurance that it wasn't like, Oh, you got to do it now. You got to, you know, you got to get in there and, 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 and have your children at, at, at 30. Um, and so, so my thirties were, were really nice. I mean, I just, I just, you know, we not nice in the sense of raising twins and, you know, the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um, but, uh, I feel like also, um, you know, I thought, well, it would be really nice to know what it's like just to have one child, <laughs> you know, well, you know, instead of having two at the same time. Um, but for four maybe I think when the kids turned four I was probably thinking you know I guess how old was I then probably 35 36 um and I thought you know what I should probably start you know thinking about it my body like um I know that when uh we were preparing for the twins you know like she had done a lot of like diets and vitamins and and a lot of things just to prepare um I know like you know, abstaining from alcohol, a Mm -hmm. lot of like things just to detox the body uh, when it comes to fertility is super important. Um, So I was thinking about things like that. Um, And, you know, obviously the conversation between us as a couple, (laughs) because I think we kind of got used to our lives just as they were with just two. Um, And, you know, it's it's not wrong to think that maybe this would just be it, you Mm -hmm. know, and this is the life. And, you know, she is older than me. And so was she ready then to like start again? Mm-hmm. And, um, and we hadn't really been talking about it. Like, okay, remember, you know, remember I still want that child and I still want that child. So um, it required some like deep soul searching Um, therapy and talking and really just deciding whether or not this was something that we still wanted, but it definitely was. And it was, you know, kind of, um, to me, a no brainer in the sense that, you know, again, we started our relationship way back when in 07 with the notion that we wanted a family and, you know, you know, one, I'm an only child and, uh, you know, two, I had lost my mother, um, you know, at an early age and, uh, you know, and, and I just, you know, a very, very close to the idea that we we were here on this earth to. You know, whether or not gay, straight, however it may be to procreate and to Mm -hmm. have family and to, to create that legacy. And, um, and also as an only child, I mean, one thing I will say is like, I watch these kids every single day in awe to see the fact that like the experience that they're having, like right now is something I never had. Like just right now they're communicating and engaging and relating to each other, um, that's something that they're learning from and gainings from and just, just communication skills alone. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, not to say that my life was so sad and, and gloom and doom, but, um, just, just to have that experience of having siblings and growing up together. Um, it's really, really beautiful. And so they have each other, the twins, and they always have that. But, um, Yeah. So, so it was, it was time to prepare. And so I think that, um, you know, financially though, I mean, that's just like, uh, and you know, I'm not going to take a second mortgage out on the house though. I mean, it's like, yes, it was important, obviously, but (laughs) to some extent. And so at the time I was working and, um, had a great job and insurance, but, You know, am I going to get as lucky as I did the first time around? You know, what we did the first time, what are the options? Um, You know, the donor we use, you know, that's the question. We, you know, the donor we use for the twins, are we going to use the same donor? Um, Do we have the ability, you know, am I going to do IVF? I don't want to end up with twins again, you know? Um, Do I have insurance to pay? Do I want to do IVF or if I do IUI? Um, my friend who did IUI happened to tell me as a same sex couple, um, I'm sorry, IVF as a same sex couple, they won't pay for IUI unless you've tried, um, to, to get pregnant, uh, with IUIs. And so they pay- won't pay
0: just to clarify, they won't pay for the, they won't cover the IVF unless you try with IUI first for same sex couples. And so I think they do that with some, there's some plans that do that with hetero couples too. It's, it's they feel like
1: that is, Yeah. yeah. Some
0: where you have to do well, a couple no. of rounds of IUI before you even do IVF. That's so yes. crazy that someone can control your body like that. It's like, but why on can top I just make of that, that decision?
1: with hetero couples, you have to go in there and say, as a hetero couple, we have been trying right unsuccessfully for a year yes. as a hetero couple have not yes. been able to get pregnant unsuccessfully. So then they're going to make you do IUIs maybe The doctor arbitrarily will just say five times. Okay. So then you got to go in there five times. Well, guess what? For uh, a single parent or a gay woman, I have to buy sperm five times or use five times. If I know somebody, sperm at at one shot could be 600 bucks or a thousand bucks. So that every time I do that, that's going to cost me. So that's even though an IUI and then the IUI cost of however cost that is at the doctor's office. So there's a cost right there. So, so that's a burden. Um, and then the only reason I wanted to do IVF is that your chances are much greater because you have an embryo Mm -hmm. and then they put it in and then you hope for it. Um, and then that's when I found out that the, they were just doing the single embryo transfers and stuff. So there were all these things to think about. And so it was so daunting. So my first experience in like exploring it was, is my body Mm -hmm. red is my body capable What is my, 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 do I, am I able to have a baby? Um, So there was just, you know, as your listeners know, I mean, there's just all these like little steps along the way. And so some of, some of my fears were, you know, did I have the twins and did my body recuperate? Did everything go okay from, from that experience? And am I capable of now having um, another child? And because, you know, some women have, their one child and then they're not able to, you know, get pregnant again based on, you know, certain things. So I did all of that and everything was kind of, you know, coming along, but, um, you know, so we did, we tried and we ended up not using, um, the same donor for the twins, um, and finding different donors. So we went on like websites and banks and picked out this donor and then we tried and then we were just doing IUIs, but I will say, The first time, and this is interesting tying back to the story about the um, same-sex benefits Mm -hmm. and going into the doctor about kind of going around the corners, Mm -hmm. cutting corners. So the first doctor I went to go see was actually a friend who specializes in same-sex families. And when I went to him, um, I met with his like insurance person or, or financial person, and she basically gave me a cost sheet for an IUI, Now, most people know an IUI is just an insemination. It's not anything real terribly invasive. Right. And the total amount was like $6,000. And I was like, okay, um, but what about like insurance and all that? And they're like, well, because you're a same-sex couple, you're not able to get pregnant on your own. So you have to do this. And so insurance doesn't cover it. I was like, wait. The chances of getting pregnant the first time on an IUI or have got to be so slim. So you're saying every time I try one IUI, it's going to be six thousand dollars plus the cost of the sperm. I'm going to be like out, like no, yeah, like I'm never going to have this child. Like this is not just. And I sat and bawled in this office, thinking I'm never going to have this baby. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna have this this child. That's it. This is it. Especially, and there, especially,
0: and just to be clear. It's not that you're not thankful for the twins. You wanted an opportunity though to be the egg the the, genetic, biological... the biological mother of mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. This time. I mean,
1: y- yeah, I mean I'm a mother. You know, these are my babies. And so, you know, the idea of and and they un- and they even understand how how DNA works and, you know, and they know they were in my belly. And their connection to me is they know that they're we have these conversations about my blood and that they have my blood because mm-hmm. they were in my body. But they know that they were her eggs. Mm-hmm. So they have her you know, they have her genes. And it's a really cool story that they get. Um and then they also know the genes of ever you know, ever so it's 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 a very scientific discussion that we have about all of that. But it has nothing to do with um, you know, a lack they, of they, love
0: they, or a lack no, of no
1: and, and also too like sibling wise. Like right this is their brother right there's no d- distinction between because he came and i think the connector which i think is such a beautiful thing you know not to pat myself on the back but is me like yeah. i've connected these these babies together through me i've carried these three children and therefore our brothers and sisters they can't stand each other most of the time. Just, they sh-
0: Just like a brother and sister dynamic would would, but, would do. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Which all the more reason tells you that they're siblings. But um, but no. So that was a really um. So I wish I could be there. I wish, you know what I want to say? I would be there, standing outside that same sex fertility clinic for for people who walk out of there going, "I'm going to have to pay out of pocket because I'm going to tell you." You don't, because it's 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 there that unfortunate that we have to play by the rules as same-sex couples. So what I ended up doing, and then I spoke to a friend who also said, yeah, she got a phone call from insurance saying that they called and said, you know, what is, you know, what are they gonna do? Come into your home and like check on you and see, are you sleeping with a man? Are you sleeping with a woman? And so I just went to a new doctor and I just went in as a single person instead i just said you know what i went in i said i want to have a baby i can't get pregnant on my own i've tr- and i just said i didn't give any specifics i just mm-hmm. said i can't get pregnant on my own i've tried to get pregnant and i can't and i'd like to get pregnant and that's it i didn't i didn't give him any wow. background because unfortunately the person before knew me and knew knew my partner and and used all that and it and it worked against me and instead i just went to a new doctor instead and instead he said okay well and then here's, unfortunately, and no, no offense to the person I went to, insurance, the new person did a better job digging into my insurance, and I ended up having full coverage of IUIs. No So it really way. had nothing to do with it. It was the fact that my insurance covered IUIs uh, um, as an office, <laughs> it turned out to be. As an office visit? Literally an office visit. So I had a $30 copay every IUI. So- it wasn't six thousand dollars. It was thirty dollars. No, and it had way. nothing to do with whether I was gay or straight. Yeah. So it. So 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 kudos to back and 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 who did I end up with again? Columbia. So it was. Oh no no no. I'm sorry. I love Columbia, but no, it was Yale. So I ended up going to Yale for some Tony other and, Ivy League. But the, yeah, the, the, but the, the fact it's yeah. so
0: mind blowing that you would go from a doctor who specialized in yeah. assisted Thanks. reproductive. You know, technology or whatever for same same sex couples, and then end up being told something totally different. Yeah, because the moral of the story is here is you have to dig and you have to be your own best advocate.
1: Keep going, keep Keep going. going. Don't take no for an answer. Because I don't want to say it's a racket. I just want to say there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and there's a lot of places to go. Yeah, and if you're not getting the answer that you want. And unfortunately, and I had a conversation with another gay woman who had children and paid the money. The problem is if you have the money and you you, people are vulnerable and they want children. And so they're like, okay, here, take my money. I'll do it. I unfortunately don't have piles of money come, you know, around me to just hand over. So I, and, um, I'm going to keep looking, I'm going to keep looking, um, until I get the answer I want, because that's, you know.
0: And And that's what I did. How many Mm -hmm. rounds you did IUI and how many times did you do that?
1: Let's see. We did, we did, I I know I went through three donors. So we, so I did two donors. One ended up in a miscarriage. So I ended up one taking and got a heartbeat. And I feel like I did a, it's hard to, to remember now, maybe two, two times before and then the third, maybe two times before, and then maybe the third time took. Um, I just couldn't get over the fact that I was like paying the 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 copay. It was like thirty dollars. And it was just I just couldn't get over it. And I think and I think the cool news is that we still had sperm left. Like that was the good feeling, was like there was still a surplus. Like right. we didn't run out, like there was still donor
0: options material yeah. left. Yeah,
1: if we if so so it wasn't like it was like this desperation and he was there and the fact that um but I but I will say that like the age that I was at there was a moment of and it was a conversation that we had a little bit was should we is there a moment of like are we sure like should we wait or sh- and, and it was like why it was one of those questions and I'll say this like to listeners and this is only coming from fertility doctors. Why? Why wait if you have to even question it? Why? Because they'll give you that little chart when you go into that office with like that little scale with that little like line that just dips <laughs> yeah. and it just drops, right? Like right. after 35 and it just goes down. Like why play with it? You know, it's like I guess if if you if you know that you're already thinking And you're already in that office and you're already considering it because it's one of those things you don't get back. And I think a lot of gay women find themselves in this situation because we waited so long for marriage equality to happen and we, everything got delayed. So we weren't thinking kids at the same time growing up the way that other straight people were. We weren't planning our weddings in the way that other straight people were because we didn't, we didn't fantasize, a lot of women didn't fantasize. Well, the way it wasn't that it possible. You, you didn't see a world where it that.
0: would be possible.
1: Right. So it was a very kind of like last minute decision for some lesbians. And I know a lot of women that happened for. And, um, you know, some people came out later and like, so it, it was different. But like, um, but some women I know, like, you know, in their late 30s or early 40s who finally met somebody who, ended up rushing to like fertility clinics to be like, okay, now I've met somebody and we want to start a family. And I get it. Um, and they, some people got in, you know, and it, and it happened for them. But, um, but that's how I felt. I was, you know, in that 38 age, you know, 39 and it was like, well, why, why, why consider a moment another day of waiting when it could just, you know? And so But it's so funny because, um, you know, the thought of feeling old or wondering if like I can manage, I, I guess it's, I would always say like, keep someone who's a little bit older than you around because you always feel younger. You always feel like, well, I'm not
0: that old. So I'm... I could be that, that age, but I'm not. And kids keep, and they keep us, they do keep us young. I mean... They really yeah. do. And you have three little you know, souls that, yeah. Yeah. and even with the age, you know, the dynamic, it's like you have these preteens and the toddler. Yeah. So it's like you have different phases to relate with them in their yeah. own way, which is really, yeah. which is really nice too. Yeah. Even though it wasn't planned, quote unquote, to have this gap, yeah. it looks like you are doing the best and, and enjoying the gaps that, that you, you have within your family.
1: It's, you know what, it's actually funny you say that because maybe I sort of did because I remember the the day I was supposed to go, what was really fun was that the fertility clinic was like walking distance from the kids' elementary school, first of all, which was funny. <laughs> um, it's like, this is just like perfect. I can go like do an IUI and drop the kids off at school. <laughs> so um, they, uh, the, the, the the fertility clinic had said, you know, come in and do it. And I said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do it this month. The kids are going to kindergarten. I said, I want to get them in, let them do it. I'm going to pause it and like, let them have this. And I think I was thinking about waiting um, for, and I, and I realized like they'll have gotten into kindergarten and then they'll have, yeah. So I, th- I think that gap was really interesting because now I'm excited that the kids are going into middle school. Mm-hmm. And starting kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So it's such to me anyway, it's a really cool thing that I don't have to like cry over the fact that it's an end of an era because now I get to like stay in the elementary school world yeah. for a whole nother, you know, five years. Yeah. Um while they're now starting middle school and and I've loved this whole experience with the twins in elementary school and then he'll he'll now get to start that he'll so.
0: have you because yeah. they'll have you in different ways and you know what i yep. mean because he he kind of he's not an only child at all you know, even though the gap yeah. is is kind of wide yeah. he still mm-hmm. benefits from having two older siblings but they have their own activities and things that they're yeah. into and then he's got his own time with with mama you know yep, That's yep. really nice and
1: also I did consider the fact, and I did always say this with them being, when the twins were four, knowing that I did not want three kids in college at the same time.
0: Mm. <laughs> it's bad I want enough. to have it's, some time to recover. Right?
1: It's, it's bad not- enough. We have two going at the same time. So I always said, no way. Uh, were we going to have three kids in college at the same time. So at least give ourselves a break. So,
0: um, but yeah. What do you like most about being a mother? Is it everything you thought it would be? Hmm. I guess I like the most about being a
1: mother that back to what I said about being the only child, it's having a family, like having people in my life every day. Like being with them and relating and having people that I'm I'm like growing up. 'm I feel that I am growing up with them. like we are growing up together, and um I am becoming, like, as Michelle Obama writes, like becoming mm-hmm. with them in, 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 in an adult that I would never have have become just on my own as an adult and um, and obviously, they're becoming, you know, independent people. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can at, at, at help raising them. But I feel as though that, uh, that this, 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 this family that we created is something that um, I guess I never thought I'd be a part of the growth. Like I just figured like I'd be this authority figure and I'd be going to my job and I'm doing the carpools and I'm shuffling them around and sending them to where they need to go. But I didn't realize like how much it would really, really impact me, mm-hmm. and and sort of like how integral uh, integral I would be to the process of parenting, and like what what how impactful it would be to my life. And so it Im- impacts how I do my job, like how a be- like what a better employee I am, and how I do that, um, the choices I make. I think
0: what I love about being a parent is we're not even aware of the gems, what exactly that they're. Soaking in from yeah. us, you know, because I see little things in karee as a little performer. She loves music.
1: I don't know if yeah. she'll ever
0: do it. But it's nice to see little pockets of me and her yeah. dad yeah. throughout the day. And you have three little ones where you can see spot little pieces of Sarah, little pieces of your partner yeah. and and yeah. just um see who they become in the world.
1: It's too. true. And and I think that well, so then I will say that though, is that it's also the opposite in that I am astounded and this is what I knew would happen but it's, it's a surprise like it's a gift every day that you unwrap where what they're showing you is just something beyond like like it's it's them it's them it's 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 their own person it's something that has nothing to do with you <laughs> has nothing to do with their mm-hmm. other parent it's just them and obviously environment and other things that they're getting out in the world and all, but like they came here with their own agenda (laughs) and their own, like, you know, something from the spirit world, who the heck knows where it came from. Um, or their whole like mix up of DNA and everything, but there's, they're just personalities and stuff. And you just kind of have to just sit back and go, wow, who
0: are you? (laughs) Like,
1: who is this person? And I can't wait
0: to meet, you and who you're gonna be yes
1: that's what it is and it's so cool these just characters um that you're raising and that you've been just given like someone trusted you just bestowed you with these just beings and you just you just hope you do right by them but um it's pretty it's pretty awesome like I said I mean this is what I always wanted and this is this is like it's just a nice little bow on top, cherry on top, whatever it is, and um, you know. And I do, I do have the best co-parent. Um, I I chose her; she chose me, and we chose these. I believe it. We chose these kids, and so, and and you know, we love them to pieces.
0: Perfect. So, yeah. Thank you, Sarah, for taking the time to sit with us today opening your home to us and sharing your experiences. We really, really appreciate it. In present day, her family represents many just like hers who find themselves being interrogated, harassed, devalued, and erased by certain legislation around our country. It was important to me to bring you her story, to inspire those in our LGBTQ community looking to be parents, to strengthen the spirit of those who currently are, And to allow those who may have never had a chance to meet someone like Sarah or her family to tear down the walls of maybe fear, judgment, or just innocent ignorance. To sit with us, listen, and hopefully walk away learning something new. Thank you for listening today. And please don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at NewMommyAt40. And I can't wait to sit with you next Monday for our next episode.